Hallelujah. Anybody excited to be in his presence? It's more than just being in a building. Anybody excited to be in his presence? Amen. Well, I greet you all with the joy of the Lord. Um, I give honor to the angel, the man, the head honcho, Pastor Brandon. Amen. 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 Oh, y'all can do better than that. Come on. Come on. Come on. Raise it up for the man of God. We have been in a message series called Abide. Tonight, I wanna to take you to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. And this evening, I'm just lifting up one verse, verse one. Psalm 91, this is in the New King James Version. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let the church say amen. 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 So in February going into March, we have been in a message series entitled Abide. Who's been enjoying the message series for people that's been here? Amen. Amen. So the message series of by, we have been discussing the benefits and protections of remaining in Jesus Christ in order that we may live fruitful. Tell your neighbor, fruitful. Fruitful and impactful lives for the kingdom of God. And so our base scripture, base passage has been John 15. Danny, show them the verse, verses from uh, John 15 for me. You can pull it out in your Bibles. John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So we're talking about abide, we're talking about remaining in Christ Jesus. We understand that according to the passage that as long as we remain in the vine, which is Christ Jesus, we can bear much fruit. But apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. That any deeds, anything that we do, they are fruitless because the vine is, watch this, the source of life. How do I know this? John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The only way you can have abundance in all these areas that we are thriving in is if we remain in the one who gives abundant life. And it's through the life source that we're able to breathe life into our businesses, our relationships, our social networks. How are we going to breathe life? Because we are connected and we are in remaining in the one who gives life. We will be like Ezekiel. We will go into territories that are dead, that have dry bones. We will be able to go into these territories. And according to the word of the Lord, we won't have, we, the angel won't have to ask us what to do. We'll go into these territories. We'll begin to prophesy and speak to the dead bones, the dry bones that are in Clarksville, the dry bones that are in Silver Spring, the dry bones that are in Washington, D.C., the dry bones that are in Alexandria, Virginia. We'll begin to prophesy, speak the word of the Lord. And as we speak, as we release the word of the Lord, because the word of Christ richly dwells in us, as we release that word, sinew and flesh will begin to rise up and these dry bones that were once dead will become as once as they once were that's what happens when we abide in the vine he is also the living word of God so as we repeat his word back into the environment as we release his word back he has the power to bring back life to what was once dead 
he spoke to Lazarus. He said, he spoke to Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He told the disciples before he left, I am the way, the truth, and the life that no man comes to the Father but through me. He is the life giver. So if I want to release life, I have to remain in the one who departs and gives me life. Why are we emphasizing abide so much? You are going to go through seasons of your life this year where you're going to be tempted to step outside of the vine, to break off of the vine like a branch and be a branch that's falling on the ground. But you thinking that you're going to break off of him and still bear fruit. That's not going to happen because he said, apart from me, you can't do nothing. You will be like a broken off branch that is withered and dry, that is dead. It has no life, has no power. You will not be able to bear anything because you are broken off from the vine. A couple of Tuesdays ago, I said that God spoke to me. Um, I was reading Psalm 46, 1 and said, God is our refuge, our strength. And I said, the Lord said, Dominique, I'm just not your refuge in the time of trouble. I'm your refuge in the time of temptation. What does that mean? That if we're, while we're trying to remain in Christ, there are going to be situations that arise to tempt us. And watch this. God, once becomes our refuge, once we get tired of abiding, we'll go outside of him and find other people to be our refuge. Somebody else's bed to be our refuge. The liquor to be our refuge. The K2 to be our refuge. You must remain in him because it is for your own protection. Temptation will rise. But understand that there is a shield that protects you, that surrounds you as long as you remain in the vine. That's why we're emphasizing abide. Not only will you be fruitless, but you will catch yourself up in situations and circumstances that you may not be able to reverse. God is a redeemer. Don't get me wrong. He can't redeem. But a lot of us can testify that we made some decisions and now we're living with circumstances that we cannot erase because we stepped outside of the vine. And had we just stayed, had we just remained in that place, what we're living with now could have been avoided. He still gives me grace to handle it, but had I just remained in him, I wonder. But I won't, I won't dwell there too long. So we'll get to, here we are in Psalm 91. We don't know who this psalmist is, and I like that because when the identity is unknown, it gives you a greater opportunity to place yourself in the picture. And so he says, he who dwells in the secret place. I know y'all have heard this uh, verse in church before. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide <laughs> under the shadow of the Almighty. Powerful verse. Powerful verse that speaks protection and safety, but as I studied this, God has a funny way of illuminating things to me. This is a powerful verse, don't get, don't get me wrong, powerful promise of safety. But in that first line, he who dwells in the secret place is an implication of surrender. What do, what, what, what do I mean, what do I mean by that? that? That word dwell, it means to live. Doesn't mean to make occasional visits. Doesn't mean to come on Sunday and go back to my life that I was living Monday through Friday. That word dwell means abide, to remain. He wants you to live in what? The secret place. See, this secret place, when we look throughout the Psalms, the secret place represents a place of shelter, hiding place. Um, Danny, show him, the psalm, show him the slide with all the Psalms on it. It should be three Psalms in there. If you look at these verses... Yes, so if you look at the verses in Psalms, there are plenty of verses that talk about God representing the secret place. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his secret place. Psalm 27, 5. And Psalm 31, 20, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. Psalm 32, 7, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. 
The context of these psalms is that the psalmist, especially David and some other ones, they're seeking God for protection. He represents the refuge and the tent that they hide under. But we cannot talk about the secret place only in the context of refuge. If we're going to talk about the secret place of the Most High, we also have to talk about intimacy. You cannot go into a place of refuge alone. Yes, he is your refuge. Yes, he is your shelter. But while you're there, now it is one-on-one time. It is me in the Most High. It is me in the Holy One. It's me in the Righteous One. There's nothing around to distract me from him. So it's just me and him. And if you were to be honest tonight, that is a place that scares you. Because there's nothing around you to distract you from his very presence. There's nobody around to hit you up and text you. There's nothing to distract you. It is just you and him. And you're telling me you want me me to abide in that place? See, see, there's a difference between hiding in God versus hiding from God. There's a difference between hiding in God versus hiding from God. When I hide from God, it is my futile, stupid, dumb attempt to conceal my sinfulness from a one who sees just as perfectly in the light as he does in the dark. When I try to hide from God, I'm just like Adam and Eve in the garden. Show them the verses, uh, Danny, from the, the verse in Genesis. Verse 6 says, so, the, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she, she took up his fruit and she ate, and she gave to her husband with her, and he ate, and watch this, verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. See, before the fall, there was no distinction between being naked and being covered. Genesis 2.25 says they were naked and unashamed. There was no concept of covering because if I'm unashamed, there's no reason to cover myself. I'm naked and free in the garden with no shame, so there's no reason to be covered. But watch this. When they ate of the fruit of the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil, they they became aware of their rebellion. And now what sin does, it brings shame to a state that I had no reason to be ashamed of in the first place. Sin brings embarrassment. Why, do I, why should I feel embarrassed when I was naked the whole time? Because now my eyes have been opened to what? Right and wrong. Now I see that I was wrong because I disobeyed. And so now what do I do? Verse 7. And they sold fig leaves and made themselves coverings. It takes so much more work to hide from God than to just come to him open. When you have to hide from God, you have to spend time sewing together whatever fictitious plan you have. It takes more time to sew a covering together to hide yourself from a guy, from a man who sees right through it. And then verse 8, he says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And what did they do? Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And then God said, Adam, where are you at? He said, God, God, I was, I was afraid. I hid myself because I was naked. And God said, who told you you was naked? You had been living in a state where you were naked and unashamed. You didn't even know the distinction between being covered. You was just always naked. But now you see that you're naked. Who told you that? It wasn't just the fact that Adam realized that he was naked. He realized that he was exposed. Sin and all had completely stained him. And now he is exposed. See, this is why we don't go to the secret place. 
This is why we don't go into the depths and the innermost courts of God. Because here God is holy, righteous, set apart, and here I am full of sin. But watch this. See the difference between hiding in God, hiding from God? I try to conceal, okay? But when I go and hide in God, yes, I'm seeking him for refuge. Yes, I'm seeking him for protection and shelter. But once I step in, I have to know and recognize that once I make that decision to hide in him, there's no part of me that I can hide. He sees as day as light, so it's not like he never, it's not like he doesn't see us in and of ourselves on a regular basis. What the issue is is that when we go into the secret place, it's an opportunity for us to take off the facade, take off the mask, take off the costume. It's an opportunity for us to take it off. But I guarantee you that even as you try to step into that secret holy place, your costumes and your facade won't even, you won't even have to take them off. The sheer presence of God will begin to just burn all of it up. There is an awareness of my sinfulness and my unworthiness in the presence of a holy God. How do I know that? Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. He was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and the seraphim, they flew around. They were shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. The whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the temple. They trembled at the name of, they trembled when the angels heard holy and then Sean the verse from Isaiah, Danny, he says, so I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. See, when he comes and inhabits a place, a room, I dare you, I dare you, not to reflect upon how unworthy you are to stand in the presence of a holy, perfect, righteous king. In worship, you may see me on my knees a lot. Because the reality is, is that I don't know about you, but when I stand in the presence of a holy God, when he comes and shakes this foundation, it is almost impossible for me to continue to stand because in his holy presence, I begin to bow. And I say, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. An unclean mind, unclean hands. I say, woe is me. Not in, not in condemnation, but in reverence of how holy and matchless he is. That a holy God will come and inhabit the same room as sinful human beings. Sometimes I just got to bow. And just turn my head down. But yet... See, see, Isaiah, when he realized how sinful he was, he did not try to hide. See, when Adam and Eve, their eyes were open, and so the first thing that they did, they tried to hide from the presence of God once they saw they were sinful. Isaiah said, woe am I, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. But if you look at verse 6 and 7, he doesn't try to run. He doesn't try to hide. He doesn't try to make loin and, and, and coverings. He stayed. And here's the blessing in him staying in the place, even though he was acknowledging that he was broken. Verse 7, 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, 
having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar and he touched my mouth with it and said behold this has touched your lips your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged watch this the problem with the secret place is that we don't stay there long enough to receive the healing that we need we don't remain we don't dwell in the secret place long enough because we are so consumed with our unworthiness. If you would just stay humbled enough, you would just stay there long enough, I, I promise you that an angel will come and fly down from the holies of holies from the throne. He'll come and he'll take a live coal. He'll touch your lips. He'll touch your mind. He'll touch your body. Whatever instrument of your body you have used for iniquity, he'll come and touch it and burn and purge the sin. Why was the cleansing so important? Because in the verses after that, God said, now who shall go before us? Who shall we send? Isaiah said, send me. Here I am. See, there is a boldness and a confidence that I can walk in once I know that I've been delivered. There is a boldness and a confidence that I can walk in when I know I've been cleansed. There's a boldness and a holy boldness I can walk in when I know I've been set and made free, made whole, and restored. So that when God says, it's time for you to go. I had nothing to be afraid of. Why? Because the angel came and touched me. He burned and purged me so that when it's time to fulfill the assignment, I know well, I'm clean. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to hide. I know that he's going to continue to work in me. I know deliverance is ongoing, but I know that I've been cleansed. So you go send me and do, go send me to do what you want me to do. I ain't got nothing to hide. I ain't afraid to stand in front of y'all. If I were to come with a facade, I would have so much more to hide, but I come to you standing right now, admit it to you, I ain't perfect. I am a man of unclean lips, sometimes an unclean mind, but because I know I've been delivered and made whole and restored, I stand before you boldly declaring the word of the Lord, knowing that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That therefore I am a new creature. Behold, all things, everything that I ever went through, everything that I ever struggled with has gone, is old. Behold, all things have become new. See, this is why we don't go to, to the secret place. Because dwelling Living in the secret place of God requires me to be constantly vulnerable, to walk in an ongoing openness, a bareness, a nakedness before a holy God. And that scares us to death. Even though we know he sees all of it. Yet there is a pride that we walk in that we won't venture. See, that's why I praise and worship. That's why the praise part is so easy. We can praise him for what he's done, but worship deals with the heart. Worship deals with surrender. So that's why we'll stop just short. Oh, I won't go that deep. <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I won't go that deep into it because when I fully embrace his presence, I then become aware of who I really am. That in his presence, the facade has no chance to stand up. It's not going to work. That the, that the mask and all these things, they have no chance of standing up when I'm there. So I'd rather just not go there. I'd rather just, I'd rather just not go there. But God says he wants us to, the verse says, he who dwells there, who lives there, who makes that place his home, the secret place. I have to constantly be vulnerable. But yet... There is safety. 
And being completely bare and open and, and naked in the presence, in the secret place of the whole of a holy God. Yes, I feel ashamed. Yes, I feel open and it doesn't feel good, but yet I am safe. What is that safety? His shadow. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So once I dwell here, broken. Once I make this my permanent residence, here I am broken and yet I am covered. Yet there is peace. Yet there is security. Yet there is safety. Why? The shadow. See, we don't like being vulnerable. There's a fear of being exposed. See, see, when we go out, when we, when we stand before people, there's a fear to be who we really are because when I open myself up, when I'm vulnerable, I open myself up to attack to judgment, to darts. How is it that I'm in a place, how is it that in the secret place, I'm in my most fearful state and yet I feel safe because of the shadow of El Shaddai. Because the shadow of El Shaddai, as I lay here naked, as I lay here with all my addictions and, and uh, suicidal thoughts and everything that I struggle with, as I lay here open, yet he covers me. Yet the shadow protects me, yet the shadow keeps me covered, even though I feel, I feel like this. See, the, see that's, why we, that's why we don't even, uh, in terms of relationships, we don't even want to be vulnerable. We would rather sleep around because sleeping around requires no commitment. That a relationship, establishing fidelity and commitment requires me to unravel everything, the facade. The mask that so brings us down so much. So rather than commit, let's just do what we do and keep it on the quiet. Mm -hmm. Let's 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 stray away from getting to know. Let's stray away from bearing our souls and not just our bodies. We don't want to get bare with who we are with each other. Because there's a fear of being exposed. Yet, in the secret place, I am exposed and safe because the shadow of El Shaddai covers me. I cover people that I love. Y'all missed it. See, the shadow just doesn't represent shade and protection. It is a symbol of his love. Because, in reality, he could really just let you be out and open with your sin. <laughs> I know I'm not talking to myself. I've gone through seasons where I was wrestling with my own sin. And he could have exposed me, but out of his grace and mercy, he hid me in the secret place and his shadow covered me and he allowed me, he purged me in secret. He restored me in secret healed me in secret, rejuvenated me in secret. He could have left me out there to be exposed, open for all the world to see and yet out of his love hid me. Hid me in a place where he said, my child, where his love literally loved the mess out of me. Where his love literally loved every evil sinful thing out of me because this was a love 
how it's based on the blood. See, 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 the saints used to say that what can wash away my sins? Nothing, nothing, not one thing. I tried it. I tried to find something to, to cleanse. I tried to use soap and water. That didn't work. I tried, I tried everything I did to, to cleanse, but nothing but the blood cleansed me. <sighs> Purged me. Cleansed. And now I can step out. See, see, you got to understand, in order to abide, you can't keep running from the inner courts. Can't keep running from the secret place. You want to bear serious fruit? See, the secret place is not just for pruning. It's for learning. David said that one thing I desire of the Lord that I may seek after, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord and dwell in his house forever, that I may inquire in his temple. In the secret place, there is great exchange of revelation. There is a great, he begins to reveal the nature of who he very is to me. It's not just for the pruning so I can bear fruit, but I can truly begin to understand whose place I truly inhabit. I begin to, in the secret place, I begin to come up with other names for him than just the normal names that we always repeat because we really don't know who he is for ourselves. But I'm going to tell you, in the secret place, I learned to him, found him to be a confidant. I found him to be a friend. Found him to be closer than a brother because there were seasons when I couldn't get out to family. I couldn't find no friends, couldn't find nobody there. But who was there? Who was there surrounding me and covering me? In a season now where I'm finding out that all the people that I thought was around me really weren't for me, but yet here I am in the secret place. <laughs> and if I was bitter, I would walk in that. But because I know I get to share the same space as the Holy One, you can come and leave. It's fine with me. But in, in his shelter, in his, in his shadow, see, we will not thrive if we are not willing to go to that place. Worship leaders cannot lead effectively if you cannot go there on your own. You cannot expect us to take us somewhere that you have never been. Pastors, elders, teachers, you cannot expect to take the congregation to a place that you do not live in yourself. As leaders, we cannot expect to tell people. See, before my season of a transition and all of that, this verse means nothing to me. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shelter. Oh, awesome verse. I don't have any reference for that. I had to go through it in order to realize the value in it. So now the scripture means 10 times more to me, and I can testify of his promise. But had I not gone through what he ordained, I would have no frame of reference. Some of you need to stop despising what you're going through. Without it, you have no reference for who God is to you. If you had never been sick, how could you testify that he's a healer? If someone never broke in your heart, how could you testify that he's near to the brokenhearted? If someone never broke in your heart, how could you testify that he can mend your broken heart? If I had never been an orphan and mommy and daddy had never left me, how could I testify that he's a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless? How could I testify of these characteristics if he never took me through a season when I did not find out through the trials, through the tribulations, the characteristics that he had? All of these things are personal to me because he took me through seasons where I would experience lack 
and see how he would then step in and be provision, not just materialistically, but spiritually. We will not thrive, TCF, if we are afraid to go to this place. This is where the pruning happens. This is where the shaking and the, and the breaking and the molding and the shaping. He told Jeremiah, he said, go to the potter's house. There's a potter there and he's got some clay in his hands. And when he got to the potter's house, the clay was in the potter's hand. He said the clay was spoiled, but I saw the potter working and shaping it and molding it into a new vessel. And he told Jeremiah, can I not do this with Israel? <laughs> can I not take this clay that is disobedient, stubborn? Can I not take it and shape it and reform it into a new vessel fit for use? Can I not take you with your past, your bad problems, your issues, your addictions, your thoughts? Can I not take you and shape you and remold you into a new vessel fit for use? Can I not do that? He told Sarah, Sarah last year said, I'm going to have a child. He said, is there anything too hard for me? You sitting here laughing, but you seem to forget who I am. I'm not one of these dead idols. I'm not one of these guys that can't speak, that dang on no power, that don't have no authority. I am El Shaddai. At the mention of my name, demons tremble and flee. At the mention of my name, mountains shake and the foundations of the temple shake. Is there anything too hard for me? We will not be fruitful if we do not live See, that's the key. No more conjugal visits. Oh my God, I repent, hallelujah. And we go right back. Y'all know that's real. I used to do that when I was, and see, we thought we were read that. We, we thought we was getting saved all over again. Nah, you, was just, you just had to forgive. You had to ask for forgiveness and get cleansed. You know, you weren't getting saved all over again. You went to that place, you cried your little tears, and then you went right back. No more occasional visits. He wants you to change your address from whatever it is, center drive, whatever. I don't know why that came up my spirit, but he wants you to change your address and make the secret place of the most high your permanent address. It does not mean I, I excommunicate communication from the world, but as I go about my day, there's a spirit of rest. There's, I'm open. I don't try and hide that I recognize that here I am. But you know what? I have no reason to be ashamed. Why? Because he said, I, I believe Paul said that there's neither height nor depth. There's no angels or principalities. There's no height or depth. There's no width. There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God, which is found in who? The vine, Christ Jesus. <laughs> so here I am, exposed, jacked up, but I am loved. Yet healed, restored, rejuvenated. Why? Because I live here. And even as I live here, broken and open, yet the shadow of El Shaddai covers me and I am safe. Stand to your feet tonight. I don't know what you guys are wrestling with tonight, but I just want you to lift up your hands as an act of surrender to, the God, to God. And I just want you to begin to speak to him yourself. I don't care if you do it 
quietly or in your head, but I just want you to begin to release. I want you to begin to expose everything that you've been trying to hide from him. I want you to begin to acknowledge that, yes, Lord God, I've been hiding from you in this area. I've been hiding from you in that area. I've been hiding from you in this area, oh God. And I recognize, oh God, that in order to live, in order to be fruitful, I must come to you exposed. I know you see just as perfectly in the light as a dark, but I come right to you as an act of surrenderance. I come acknowledging to you that I am broken, that I am low, that I am weak, and I need your strength, that your grace is sufficient, that Lord, I know that this thorn has been here and I cried out three times, oh God, for you to remove the thorn, but you told me that your grace is sufficient, so make your grace known to me tonight, make your grace known upon my life, oh God, I recognize, oh God, that I am not perfect, that I am nobody, oh God, so I begin to expose every area that I've tried to hide, every struggle that I've tried to fix on my own, every thought that i tried to cast away is nothing, oh God, I expose it right now in the name of Jesus, oh God, because I know you to be a healer, for the, for the spirit of heaven is, oh God, you will release upon me the garment of praise because I have loved righteousness, oh God. You will pour out your oil of joy upon me. You will pour out your oil upon me, oh God. So I begin to release everything, oh God. I begin to acknowledge, oh God, that I am broken before you. I begin to humble myself before you, oh God, and recognize that you are El Shaddai, that you are the most holy one, that you are the righteous one, that there is nothing about me that I can hide from you, and yet in your love, you have loved me. You secured me. You have hit me in the cleft of your rock. You have not forgotten me. You have not forsaken me, oh God. So I begin to expose. I begin to lift up my hands. I begin to humble myself and I release it and I expose it to you tonight in the name of Jesus, oh God. Have your way in this place. Have your way in this moment, oh God. We release it. We expose it. We are free, oh God. We don't want to be free, oh God. We don't want to be bound, but we want to be free. We want to be delivered. We want to be restored. We want to be made whole. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, oh God. We've been carrying issues for 12 and 13 years, oh God. But your word says that her faith made her whole. So we release faith, oh God. Let faith arise in this room to make us whole. Let faith arise to restore our broken hearts. In the name of Jesus, oh God. We lift it up and we lift up a praise. We lift up a worship. That 